Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is September 7th, 2021, and our first story. New documents released by The Intercept prove... Anthony Fauci lied to Congress, sending shockwaves to the media. The Intercept is not a right-wing publication, and they have dumped 900 pages showing the progress reports for gain-of-function research in Wuhan, once again confirming Fauci lied. In our next story, a widespread lie about horse dewormer, a hoax in the media claiming that people were eating horse dewormer and clogging up hospitals in Oklahoma. It's not true. They were tricked, and many did not retract or correct. And in our last story, Jason Miller, former advisor to President Trump, was detained in Brazil under some investigation about anti-democratic efforts in the country. Of course, Democrats and neocons cheered for this. I believe showing that the cold civil war is escalating. It's already gotten kinetic and will probably get worse. If you like this show, please leave us a good review and give us five stars and share the show with your friends now Let's get into that first story. The Intercept has published a new report showing Dr. Anthony Fauci lied to Congress and that the NIH, NIAID, was providing funding for gain of function research. Rand Paul has come out recently saying, This is it. We knew he lied. And this would mean that we have evidence Anthony Fauci committed perjury by lying before Congress when he appeared at a hearing and said that they did not provide funding for gain-of-function research. Now, when Rand Paul challenged Dr. Fauci, saying, here is a study from 2017 which says you were manipulating viruses to make them more infectious, you were creating chimeric viruses, that is gain-of-function research. And the, and the study says it, was, it received funding from EcoHealth Alliance and the NIH, Fauci said up and down the chain that was determined not to be gain of function research. So perhaps people are now questioning whether or not he intentionally misled Congress. And I think based off these documents, which map out the whole process to how the research was done, proves Fauci lied. Now, of course, some of those involved in this story, the actual experts, the biology professors, the chemistry professors are saying, well, he was being untruthful. But here we are. I wonder now, will there be a criminal referral? And I have to say, probably not. 
Because up and down the chain, you can see from the establishment political infrastructure to the media, the lies persisted and they will persist. But the challenge here is The Intercept, not a right wing publication. In fact, quite a bit of a left wing pro establishment publication are the ones who came out with this information showing these documents, 900 pages, which prove Dr. Fauci lied. Perhaps this will be the dam that breaks, that finally unleashes the wave of accountability. But I'm not entirely convinced because we have seen evidence before that Fauci lied. We have seen multiple hearings over this. Rand Paul, who is a doctor, I might add, also issued uh, submitted a criminal referral for Fauci and nothing ever happens. Why should it now? But of course, we are seeing the after effects of the lies. The repeated misinformation by people like Fauci, a new viral video showing Fauci flip flop back and forth throughout the past two years almost about what we should or shouldn't be doing during the pandemic. And now we're getting reports from the CDC, which say that 80 percent of people have some level of immunity. But here we are still hearing about an escalation of cases, hearing about a need to lock down, hearing about booster shots and twice daily pills. Why? Well, in my opinion, as much as COVID is serious and really nasty, I mean, Joe Rogan just got it, said he felt really bad. I think we have to learn to understand. We have to understand what this means for us moving forward, that we can choose to hide under a rock or we can accept that there is a virus. We are building up immunity to it and it's going to be bad and probably continue to be bad, but it's going to be something we live with. And if people would like, they can choose to get a vaccine to protect themselves, same as they do with other illnesses, though long COVID is fairly serious. Ultimately, it comes down to the individual's choice. We're not getting that, though. Federal buildings still mandate masks. We're still seeing a rise in COVID restrictions. We're still seeing fear mongering. And over in Australia, they've plumb lost their minds, building camps for people. Now, of course, there are those who would criticize me for daring to say that what Australia is doing is building concentration camps, but that's what they're doing. You know, people don't understand history. They think that despots come out and just say, oh, by the way, we're going to build camps, put people in and, you know, end their lives. No, they build the camps for specific reasons and then end up shuffling people in these directions. In a new viral video, there's one man saying that we're all sitting here waiting to be fed. That's right. You eat what you're given. These, these, these camps they're building in Australia go above and beyond what we ever would have expected to see in any free Western nation. But of course, here it is. And of course, there are people defending it, saying, oh, it's just for travelers. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just 15 days. It's just one mask. It's just two masks. It's just a vaccine. It's just a booster shot. It's just a booster every five months. It's just a twice daily pill. It's just a quarantine camp for those who are traveling. It's just a camp for those suspected of having COVID. It's just for those who break quarantine, just like we see in those nightmare dystopian novels and movies. But let's take a look at this report. Take a look at how the media handled it and take a look at what Rand Paul is saying. New details emerge about coronavirus research at Chinese lab. More than 900 pages of materials related to US funded coronavirus research in China were released following a FOIA lawsuit by The Intercept. Now, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member in order to get an ad-free experience and support our fierce and independent journalists. And you'll get access to our members area with exclusive podcasts and more content to come that you can't get anywhere else. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Now, let's read this story. The Intercept reports, and I got to add, The Intercept doesn't seem to have wanted this news to be the case. 
Glenn Greenwald points out in a series of tweets that it seems like they were trying to debunk the narrative of the gain of function research in Wuhan. But instead, the FOIA documents actually prove it. Now, the reason I say Glenn Greenwald's probably correct is that they don't get to the meat and potatoes in this article. It takes one of the experts involved in the publication coming out and saying what we all know to get the point across. Fauci lied to Congress. The Intercept reports, newly released documents provide details of U.S. funded research on several types of coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. The Intercept has has obtained more than 900 pages of documents detailing the work of the EcoHealth Alliance, a U.S.-based health organization that used federal money to fund bat coronavirus research at the Chinese laboratory. The trove of documents includes two previously unpublished grant proposals that were funded by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, as well as project updates relating to the EcoHealth Alliance's research, which has been scrutinized amid increased interest in the origins of the pandemic. The documents were released in connection with ongoing Freedom of Information Act litigation by The Intercept against the National Institutes of Health. The Intercept is making the full documents available to the public. Quote, this is a roadmap to the high risk research that could have led to the current pandemic, said Gary Ruskin, executive director of U.S. Right to Know, a group that has been investigating the origins of COVID-19. Now, as much as you know, I'm not a fan of The Intercept and people like Glenn Greenwald, the actual founder of it, would be critical of them. I will absolutely give them respect for doing the investigation, publishing the information and letting us read the documents for ourselves. As much as it may seem like that's not the angle they were going for, at the very least, we're getting what we can only hope to be the truth. And I say that because it's really hard to know what's true these days. But these documents speak, they speak a lot of, they they speak to a lot of what's going on. One of the grants titled Understanding the Risk of Bat Coronavirus Emergence outlines an ambitious effort led by the, by EcoHealth Alliance President Peter Daschuk to screen thousands of bat samples for novel coronaviruses. The research also involved screening people who work with live animals. The documents contain several critical details about the research in Wuhan, including the fact that key experimental work with humanized mice was conducted at a biosafety level three lab at Wuhan University Center for Animal Experiment and not at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, as previously as was previously assumed. The documents raise additional questions about the theory that the pandemic may have begun in a lab accident, an idea that Dashik has aggressively dismissed. The Bat Coronavirus Grant provided the EcoHealth Alliance with a total of 3.1 million, including 599,000 that the Wuhan Institute of Virology used in part to identify and alter bat coronaviruses likely to infect humans. Even before the pandemic, many scientists were concerned about the potential dangers associated with such such experiments. The grant proposal acknowledges some of those dangers. Fieldwork involves the highest risk of exposure to SARS or other COVs while working in caves with high bat density overhead and the potential for fecal dust to be inhaled. Alina Chan, a molecular biologist at the, Bo- at the Broad Institute, said the documents show that the EcoHealth Alliance has reason to take the lab leak theory seriously. In this proposal, here's a quote, in this proposal, they actually point out that they know how risky this work is. They keep talking about people potentially getting bitten, and they kept records of everyone who got bitten, Chan said. Does EcoHealth have those records? And if not, how can they possibly rule out a research-related accident? According to Richard Ebright, a molecular biologist at Rutgers University, the documents contain critical information about the research done in Wuhan, including about the creation of novel viruses. Quote, the viruses they constructed 
were tested for their ability to infect mice that were engineered to display human type receptors on their cell. Ebright wrote to The Intercept after reviewing the documents. Ebright also said that the documents make it clear that two different types of novel coronaviruses were able to infect humanized mice. While they were working on SARS-related coronavirus, they were carrying out a parallel project at the same time on MERS-related coronavirus, Ebright said, referring to the virus that causes Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome. Asked about the grant materials, Robert Kessler, communications manager at EcoHealth, said, We applied for grants to conduct research. The relevant agencies deem that to be important research and thus funded it. So I don't know that there's a whole lot to say. The grant was initially awarded for a five-year period from 2014 to 2019. Funding was renewed in 2019, but suspended by the Trump administration in April 2020. The closest relative of SARS-CoV-2, which causes COVID-19, is a virus found in bats, making the animals a focal point for efforts to understand the origin of the pandemic. Exactly how the virus jumped to humans is the subject of heated debate. Many scientists believe it was a natural spillover, meaning that the virus passed to humans in a setting such as a wet market or rural area where humans and animals are in close contact. Biosafety experts and internet sleuths who suspect a lab origin, meanwhile, have spent more than a year poring over publicly available information and obscure scientific publications looking for answers. In the past few months, leading scientists have also called for a deeper investigation of the pandemic's origins, as has President Joe Biden, who in May ordered the intelligence community to study the issue. On August 27th, Biden announced that the intelligence inquiry was inconclusive. Biden blamed China for failing to release critical data, but the U.S. government has also been slow to release information. The Intercept initially requested the proposals in September of 2020. Quote, have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. I wish this document had been released in early 2020, said Alina Chan, who has called for an investigation of the lab leak origin. It would have, been, it would have changed things massively just to have all the information in one place, immediately transparent in a credible document that was submitted by EcoHealth Alliance. The second grant, Understanding Risk of Zoonotic Virus Emergence in Emerging Infectious Diseases Hotspots of Southeast Asia, was awarded in August 2020 and extends through 2025. The proposal written in 2019 often seems prescient, focusing on scaling up and deploying resources in Asia in case of an outbreak of an emergent infectious disease, or EID, and referring to Asia as the hottest of uh, this hottest of the EID hotspots. Now, quoted in the article is Richard H. Ebright, verified on Twitter, Board of Governors, 
professor of chemistry and chemical biology at Rutgers University, certainly an expert. He goes on to quote some of the article before saying, the materials show that the 2014 and 2019 NIH grants to EcoHealth with subcontracts to the Wuhan Institute of Virology funded gain of function research as defined in federal policies in effect in 2014 through 2017 and potential pandemic pathogen enhancement as defined in federal policies in effect in 2017 till present. He says, this has been evident previously from published research papers that credited the 2014 grant and from the publicly available summary of the 2019 grant. But this now can be stated definitively from progress reports of the 2014 grant and the full proposal of the 2017 grant. The materials confirm the grant supported the construction in Wuhan of novel chimeric SARS-related coronaviruses that combined a spike gene from one coronavirus with genetic information from another coronavirus and confirmed the resulting viruses could infect human cells. The materials reveal that the resulting novel laboratory-generated SARS-related coronaviruses also could infect mice engineered to display human receptors on cells, humanized mice. The materials further reveal for the first time that one of the resulting novel laboratory-generated SARS-related coronaviruses, one not been previously disclosed publicly, was more pathogenic to humanized mice than the starting virus from which it was constructed, and thus not only was reasonably anticipated to exhibit enhanced pathogenicity, but indeed was demonstrated to exhibit enhanced pathogenicity. The materials further reveal that the grants all supported the construction in Wuhan of novel chimeric MERS-related coronaviruses that combined spike genes from one MERS-related coronavirus with genetic information from another MERS-related coronavirus. The documents make it clear that assertions by the NIH director, Francis Collins, and the NIAID director, Anthony Fauci, that the NIH did not support gain-of-function research or potential pandemic pathogen enhancement at, at the Wuhan Institute of Virology are untruthful. To break that down in layman's terms, my friends, Richard E. Bright, professor at Rutgers University, chemistry and chemical biology, is saying upon reviewing the documents that we can definitively say NIH director Francis Collins and NIAID director Anthony Fauci were untruthful in speaking about whether or not they funded gain-of-function research. That is to say, the documents show they did fund gain-of-function research. Now, we know this because we have seen the documents. When Rand Paul questioned Dr. Fauci and he cited a report on this, this research, and Fauci said it was determined up and down the chain not to have been gain-of-function research. Semantics. Could you imagine trying that argument in a criminal trial? Could you imagine a working class or poor American saying you're incorrect about whether I committed a theft? Theft is clearly defined as the in, as taking an object in which doesn't belong to you from its rightful owner. What we did at the mall was pick up objects and carry them across the threshold and out of the building. Clearly different. Yeah. Just arguing the exact same thing in a different framing doesn't change the fact that you did this. So what was Fauci's argument? Well, they said the research we were doing wasn't gain of function, so it wasn't. But it was. <laughs> but it literally was. And Rand Paul, he outright defined how the federal government says 
you know, what is gain of function. And that's what we can see from Richard H. Ebright, that this work being done fits the federal definition. Or I should say the intercepts reporting shows this. Now, my respect to the intercept for doing the work. Let's take a look at how the media handled things. From Snopes, May 28th. Did Fauci fund gain of function research, thereby causing the COVID-19 pandemic? And there it is. They say statements made by Fox News host Dr. Carlson furthered theories that a manipulated virus spilled over from a lab in Wuhan. But let me explain how they played this game. The claim, the NIH director, Anthony Fauci, helped fund gain of function research at a facility in Wuhan, and that research ultimately led to the COVID-19 pandemic. Unproven. Context. The claim he's responsible for it. You see, what Snopes does is they jam a bunch into one fact check and ultimately don't actually break down the claims that are being made. Let me show you. First, did Fauci fund gain-of-function research? Stop. Yes or no? It's an important question. It's one that Rand Paul asked. Now, of course, many people have insinuated that because Fauci did fund it and then the lab leak happened, they, they believe it did. That proves the origin and it proves responsibility in Fauci. But let's slow down there. I'm not going to make those assertions. I'm going to say this. Did Fauci fund gain of function research? Yes. The Intercept has now basically proven that beyond a reasonable doubt by showing the progress reports of gain of function research. It's not just the one document Rand Paul held up that said, here's the research. Here's the gain of function research. In in these documents from the Intercept, it actually shows the progress the grant proposals, what they were trying to do, what they were asking to do, and that it was gain-of-function research. Now, did that lead to the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, there's a whole other question. Is the virus that's going around leaked from the lab? Well, we got we to gotta find evidence of that one. That's a bit different. But Snopes combines it into one claim so they can effectively say it's unproven whether or not Fauci did fund it. Take a look at this. This is from the Washington Post. Going back to, what's the date on this one? May 18th fact-checking the Paul Fauci flap over Wuhan lab funding. So this is where they basically get into the facts, what was actually said. The Pinocchio test. They say there is some smoke here, but we do not yet perceive the fire claimed by Paul. To some extent, all money is fungible, but the eco-health funding was not related to the experiment. experiments. Wrong. But the collection of samples, wrong, 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 wrong. The NIH grant includes language that some say suggests gain-of-function research. NIH says it's a misinterpretation. Paul's statements about Barrick's research also appear overblown. We wavered between two and three Pinocchios, but decided on two because there still are enough questions about the work in the Wuhan lab to warrant further scrutiny, even if the NIH connection to possible gain-of-function research papers appear, appear so far to be elusive. Two Pinocchios. So Fauci denied it. Rand Paul then challenged him again later, saying, you lied. Will you retract your statements? And Fauci says, no, we know he was lying because he was the guy who, who, who was in charge of this. Apparently in the leaked emails, Fauci's emails, he asked when COVID happened, was this one of ours or something to that effect? So I, I don't understand how we come to this point now. Senator Rand Paul, Fauci not being honest about a Wuhan lab funding and COVID origins from July 22nd. We also have this story from July 21st. Justice Department should pursue criminal referral against Fauci. Okay, Rand Paul's been moving forward. He's got a new statement that he just made recently. But let's take a look first, because I wanted to understand something. You see, when I was researching this, I said, okay, did Fauci commit perjury? Do you have to be under oath? 
You don't. If you lie to Congress, you have committed perjury. If you lie to the government, you've committed perjury. Now, there's some interesting language here. So I pulled up this article from CNBC in 2016 to break down what is the, the crime. And then I'll read for you what Rand Paul has to say. CNBC says, what happens if you lie to Congress? July 7th, 2016. What are the rules about lying to Congress? Glad you asked. So this is, um, they say House Oversight and Government Reform Committee Jason Chaffetz went so far as to tell Comey, blah, 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 later in the hearing. With the request all but now guaranteed, CNBC broke down the consequences of lying. If you are testifying in front of Congress sometime soon and are wondering how far you can bend the truth, there are two key statutes governing perjury you need to be aware of. U.S. Code Section 1621 and 1001 of Title 18. Section 1621 covers general perjury and stipulates that anyone who willfully and contrary to such an oath states or subscribes any material matter which he does not believe to be true is guilty of perjury and shall be fined or imprisoned up to five years or both. Now, that's a challenge for, for one. That section says under oath and you have to know what you're saying is not true. How do you prove that someone didn't make a mistake? Which is why perjury is rarely ever uh, prosecuted. Section 1001 covers false statements more generally without requiring an oath. The section stipulates that whoever in any matter with the jurisdiction of the executive, legislative or judicial branch of the government of the United States knowingly and willfully falsifies or conceals information, including before a congressional committee's inquiry, may also be fined or imprisoned up to five years. What potential punishment would someone face, someone who lied to Congress face? If you paid attention during the last section, you may have read that general perjury comes with a five-year, a maximum five-year prison sentence and potential fine. The same basically goes for not telling the truth to Congress, even without an oath. However, if the lie under section 1001 involves terror, the maximum prison sentence rises to eight years. Who has ever lied to Congress? Well, they go on to mention stuff I'm not super concerned about. This story is from 2016. So let's see the latest from Fox News. Rand Paul says new Wuhan documents show Fauci lied. Fauci has adamantly denied that the NIH funded gain of function research in Wuhan. You'd think now that we have the evidence, something would be done about this guy, Fauci. Rand Paul says newly public documents revealed the extent of U.S. funding of COVID uh, coronavirus research in Wuhan in China show the NIAID, the, the NIAID had Dr. Fauci lied during previous testimony to Congress. Fauci has adamantly denied that they've provided this. Rand Paul says, surprise, surprise, Fauci lied again. And I was right about his agency funding novel coronavirus research at Wuhan. Read this thread in the papers released. Paul's tweet followed a story in The Intercept that revealed the U.S. government pumped $3.1 million into American health organization EcoHealth Alliance to back bat coronavirus research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And what were they doing? constructing and altering, creating chimeric viruses and purposefully increasing infectivity. I believe I have the story for you. This is discovery of a rich gene pool of bat SARS related coronaviruses provides new insights into the origin of SARS. This is from journals.plos.org. As you can see, news guards certified across the board, except for not labeling their advertising. In the paper, they say construction of recombinant viruses. Recombinant viruses with the S gene of the novel virus of the backbone, blah, 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 were constructed using reverse genetic system, yada, yada. The chimeric viruses were rescued as described. Now, in this document, they actually go on to mention funding provided by the National Institutes of Health, 
N-I-A-I-D. And there it is. Rand Paul cited this initially. Yet still, Fauci claimed it wasn't true. Well, now we have even more evidence. Do we expect anything to happen to these people like Fauci? Why would we? Why would he face any accountability for lying to Congress? Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. The system is broken. The states are pulling apart from each other. People are cheering for the arrest, for the detainment of, of their political adversaries and the arrest of their political opponents. What can you expect? Now, Glenn Greenwald is the founder of The Intercept, and his comments on this report are actually very interesting con- considering what's going on politically. Glenn Greenwald says, this is amazing. In July, The Intercept had one of its most dishonest partisan hacks, basically call Rand Paul a liar and deranged conspiracy theorist over and over for suggesting Fauci-funded research that could have caused the pandemic. But yesterday, the very same Intercept admits it sought documents about Fauci-funded research by EcoHealth, Peter Daszak's group, that raised additional questions about the theory the pandemic may have begun in a lab accident. Specifically, the documents the Intercept sought, which I'll bet any amount of money they thought would, would debunk Paul and vindicate Fauci, instead did the opposite. The docs more than ever link Dashik's research to possible COVID origins. Even when they accidentally do reporting that undermines liberal political causes, Intercept editors have to make sure they stay loyal. They admit that Dashik's highly risky, risky, uh, risky research was funded by NIAID, but never once mentioned the name Fauci, the director of that agency. Glenn says, and by the way, this is why I also found irrational. This is, this is why I also found irrational and comprehensible the insistence by some on the left that the lab leak theory shouldn't be investigated, even if it's true, due to fears of stoking Cold War hatred of China. The research was also U.S. funded and led. Uh, one person says Dashik origin- originated the open letter that set the tone for the entire media dismissal of lab leak theory as a conspiracy. Why he is not more infamous is beyond me. I rarely see his name. He is a primary villain in this tale. Glenn says exactly. It was Dashik who spearheaded the Lancet letter very early on in the pandemic to mock and dismiss the possibility that the virus could have leaked from a lab, insisting it was zoonotic, knowing that it was his Fauci-funded research at risk. One last point on the politics. I never thought it should matter. We should know either way how COVID started, obviously. But I always found the US-China lab leak theory far less inflammatory than assuming it came from the eating habits of the Chinese. Anyway, whatever their motives were, and however flagrantly, they went out of their way to avoid even mentioning the name Fauci, despite how central he is to the story. The Intercept, Intercept just did more to advance the lab leak theory than anyone in months. 
read this th- thread from uh, R. E. Bright about th- about these new about what these new documents published today by the Intercept show about Fauci, Equal Health Alliance, and what we now know about the origins of COVID. And so that was kind of the point I was making, that even though the Intercept has these these huge documents, the meat and potatoes ain't there. I think a report of this magnitude should have also included in the end that a report like this and statements from experts call into question statements made by Dr. Anthony Anthony Fauci to Congress as he was testifying about potential lab leak theory, COVID, and gain-of-function research. They didn't do that. But you know what? I'm not convinced entirely that it matters because we got the information we we needed and the FOIA request is there. Now, there's some bigger questions outside of all of this. If we don't believe if, if we if we genuinely if, if we do believe that Fauci will not face any accountability, if we if we if we think nothing will happen of this. What do we do? What do we as American citizens do? We need to go out and vote. That's for one thing. We look, you know, people don't want to feel they want but they want you demoralized to get the midterms coming up. Now, this is a over a year away from the midterms. So that's practically an eternity. But let this be something that rings true for, for, for all of you, how the media lied, how Fauci lied, how he know he lied, how he lied over and over again. And here we are at a point where we're supposed to take his word for all of this, that he still brought up on TV and asked questions. Why? The tribal nature of this country. And that's a very, very serious problem. So what do we do? As I often say, get ready to vote. Make Look, if, if you live in one of these, um, I, you know what, I'll tell you this. I don't care where you live. I don't care if you're in blue, red, deep blue, deep red, whatever, middle of the road. You make sure you remain politically active. You go out and politely and calmly advocate for you believe and who you think would be the better leader. Make sure you're well informed. Read up on the causes you're so concerned about. Concerned about critical race theory? You better actually read some of it. Figure out who the authors are and then talk correctly to people who are confused. Look, I mentioned in a previous segment, going on Russell Brand's podcast. And when I was on his podcast, I talked about critical race theory. And he says, can you explain to us what that is for people who aren't familiar? Absolutely. Because I've made the mistake of being un- unable to do it before, because my concern has always been the overarching wokeness, not the nitty gritty of Kimberly Crenshaw and Derek Bell's commentary from civil rights movement and things like that. No, we used critical race theory as a catch all for general wokeism, but it ignored a lot of other aspects. And then when you couldn't properly define it definitively, like as per the definition, well, then it makes for a bad argument. You look foolish. So here's what we do. Make sure you actually know before you just say something. Maybe you'll hear someone say like critical race theory in schools, and then you'll go out and say the same thing. Someone will say, explain it. You'll be like, I can't. Then maybe you should read a little bit about it. Maybe you can write down some notes or save some articles in your phone. But you always have to be nice, friendly, peaceful, persuasive, and resourceful. Because I'll tell you this, they're panicking about 2022. There's already been Democrat activists saying, this is it, we're going to lose. Oh, no. If the Republicans get in, what are they going to do? No, more importantly, if the right-wing populists get in, what are they going to do? If enough right-wing populists win, they might impeach Joe Biden. I think they should for all the Ukraine dealing stuff and the Chinese business deals, all that, all that crazy stuff his kid was doing. It all should be highlighted, pointed out, and he should be investigated over it. You want to investigate Trump for some of this stuff? Well, Biden's got way more under his belt. So how about we do that? Yeah, that's going to mean that there's going to be Republican primaries. Pay attention. Tell your friends. Get active. Get in politics, man. 
and get your friends to vote. That's what's going to change things. And the other thing you can do is just build culture. You know, Daryl Davis, one of the smartest things I've heard in a while, I was talking to uh, Chloe Valdery the other, uh, last week on the Tim Cassaro podcast, and she says, don't approach these people just to prove yourself right or to prove them wrong. Genuinely approach them to listen, to care about them, and to be friends. And you will find that is how you actually change hearts and minds. And it's brilliant. So that's what you should consider too. When you go out to meetings, when you go out to these school boards or whatever you're doing, don't yell at people, don't insult them, don't call them names. Just say, why don't we grab a coffee and we grab a bite to eat and we'll talk about stuff. You see the new uh, Marvel movie that came out, just whatever you can to be friends and listen and ask questions, the Socratic method. But for now, I think those of us that have been following this that already know what's happening, we want accountability. And you're going to get that accountability if you get good people in office. And I don't mean Republicans. I really don't. I mean, people who care about this country and the world. And that isn't, that's irrespective of political party. So I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out. And I'll see you all then. Rolling Stone, Rachel Maddow, many local outlets all pushed a fake news story about how hospital beds in Oklahoma were filling up because people were taking ivermectin and overdosing. Well, Fox News reports Rolling Stone forced to issue an update after viral hospital ivermectin story turns out to be false. The Northeastern Hospital System released a statement contradicting the story. Now, many outlets have not corrected this story. In fact, the doctor in question who, was, who gave the statement about people taking too much ivermectin says that he was misquoted in the first place. But you can see the very extreme political tribalism around ivermectin and how media outlets won't correct or are willing to lie or play the dirty game of, well, we never reported it happened. We reported that some guy said it happened. I love it. I love it. Now, let me tell you the importance of this video. You see, I'm going to very easily debunk the lies about these hospitals being flooded with people guzzling horse paste. But Rachel Maddow says they, they, that they were. I mean, it's right there. Quote, patients overdosing on ivermectin backing up rural Oklahoma hospitals and ambulances. The scariest one I've heard of and seen is people coming in with vision loss, he said. Okay, well, let me break down all of the lies and get to the truth. And I'll start with the truth about ivermectin. Well, I shouldn't say the truth because I'm not a doctor. And when it comes to medication, you should talk to somebody that you know and trust and is willing to assume legal liability for the medical decisions they uh, give you or, or, or uh, medical advice they give you. It's not me. I can't do that. I'll say a few things. Ivermectin is a, a, a powerful anti-parasitic, powerful, in this, I'll say that in the, in the economic sense, meaning the World Health Organization has it listed as an essential drug. It cures river blindness. It's used to treat, I think, like lice and other things as a topical ointment. And you can get it at Walgreens if your doctor prescribes it to you. It is not, however, authorized or approved by the FDA for use in treating COVID. Now, there have been a lot of people who are completely anti-establishment, don't trust the media, don't trust the government outright, and they're the ones touting the benefits. Why? Well, they're promising studies saying that in, you know, in there's a Roy, uh, Oxford did a study. Oxford is, is currently, I believe they're currently doing a study, and this is reported by Reuters, that they've seen some positive uh, uh, effects from treating people with COVID early with ivermectin, saying that it prevented viral replication to a certain degree. 
However, there are many studies, and I've pulled them up even on Timcast IRL, showing that it's inconclusive, that nothing significant happened when they were treating people with ivermectin. And thus, we don't know. Because I'll tell you, look, if you, if you want to assert political tribalism, I'm sure you'll have all the answers. You'll either say it's horse paste and it's killing you, or you'll say it's a, it's a wonder drug. But the reality is we don't know. And, and, I, I, and I tell people, this is why you got to be careful about the culture war and how every side has their, their tribal beliefs and, and, and will hold the tribal positions. The reality is there are a lot of questions to be asked. There's questions about profit motive for big pharma. There's questions about Pfizer. They're coming out with a new uh, antiviral pill. It's in, I think it's in the second stage of a phase three trial that would prevent COVID. It's hard to know what the truth is. Now, I tend to think the establishment is overt, authoritarian, and lies all the time. And I tend to think that often you'll find on the right some of this sometimes, because of course it's not absolute, but a lot of people just distrusting and swing too hard in the other direction. So here's what I see. There is some truth to the story about people overdosing on ivermectin. This is, I, I've, I've read the articles. What you got to understand is many of these stories are not outright saying that someone got prescribed a medication by their doctor and ended up in the hospital. They're not saying that somebody went to tractor supply, bought horse paste and took a tiny little bit and tried it out. No, they're saying that people took full tubes of 1,250 pound horse medicine and ingested it. The problem is this story isn't true. There have been some cases of people ingesting large quantities of horse paste. Please do not do this. And then you'll get people on the other side saying it's a lie, it's fake news, and it's, and it's hard to navigate through this. Now, my friends, of course, you watching this video, I suspect many of you have done a lot of the research already. You've read the articles. You're here on YouTube searching for this stuff. Many of you may be true believers, but I tell you this, the purpose of this story is to break down the lies and to call out the establishment machine, their anti-science rhetoric, and the creepiness of their, you know, uh, scientism. There's a, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this. I was watching this video, Trudeau, you know, it's, it's going viral because he's saying, like, there's a contingent of anti-vaxxer mobs. I don't want to call them protesters. And we got we to gotta lock the country down and do provincial passports and all this other crazy stuff. And he said, there are people who don't trust the science. And I'm like, the science. When the state says the science, they're not talking about actual science. Science can be questioned. Science can be challenged. That's what makes it science. We're talking about scientism. This idea that if the state mandates it, mandates it, it's true. And I remember talking about, you know, what was it, Galileo, the guy who's persecuted by the church or the state or whatever. You know, he said the earth was round or we lived in a, a, in a heliocentric universe or, or galaxy or whatever. The authority figure, whatever it may be, the church or the state, doesn't matter. They say you are challenging, you know, uh, preconceptions. You are challenging mainstream thought and it's, and it's heretical. That's what they're doing right now. No, no, no. We, we should absolutely challenge the science, as it were. But at the same time, we try to lean in favor of the science to the best of our abilities. Let me, let me tell you something. I've talked to people who have been pro-ivermectin, and I'm like, I've got studies here saying you're wrong. Why should I just believe you? Is it because I know the media lies? I should just believe you? No, absolutely not. You can distrust the majority of the media, the great majority, to be completely honest, because you know they're pumping out garbage. But that doesn't just mean that someone else is telling you the truth because someone else is lying. There's questions about ivermectin. You know, people are saying, oh, it's because they, they, they can't make money off it or anything like that. Or, uh, you know, that I, I don't know. That's a hard, uh, I, I guess, there's profit motive for big corporations. But then it's kind of like, 
I don't know, maybe, sure, I guess. But for the time being, I don't know how that's supposed to make me change my opinion on what the current scientific literature says. You can point to countries and their, their uh, uh, hard numbers on COVID cases. And I look, at, I look at Sweden. People are like, hey, look at India. They prescribed ivermectin. I'm like, yeah, look at Sweden. They also had no lockdowns. There are, certain, there are countries that did a bunch of different things. Anyway, I digress. Listen, there's, there, there are good things about ivermectin. We don't know about COVID, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you what is true or what is not. I'm going to tell you to go talk to a doctor because I don't know. We've got political interests, and we've got people trying to push agendas, which brings me to the actual story, so I should slow down on the rant and actually tell you what happened. So first, let me show you this from K4.com, and I'll stress this point. Show this to your friends, all right? That's the point of this video, because I'm going to sit here and tell you, don't eat horse paste, and I do not believe— as of right now, we have any conclusive evidence to, to claim that, that ivermectin is, is, is working towards ending COVID. I'm sorry, I don't believe it. I've listened to Brett Weinstein, and I've looked at the data, and I say, who am I supposed to trust? Now, I understand why Brett Weinstein is trusted. Smart guy, you know, uh, evolutionary biologist and all that stuff. But I'm just not going to believe someone because, you know, I'm told to disbelieve someone. So I'll put it this way. Joe Rogan got, got uh, covid he was prescribed monoclonal antibodies, uh, Z-Pak, uh, ivermectin, a bunch of other drugs. He's fine now. But that's between him and his doctor, and I, I don't know. I don't. And that's why I say it's between you and your, doc your doctor. Talk, to, talk about these articles to a, to a trusted medical professional and see what they tell you. But I'll tell you this right now. I don't know what you want me to say to you if I can pull up scientific research saying it's ineffective and scientific research saying it's effective and it's inconclusive at this point. Positive studies, mind you. As to the argument that the only reason it's not being approved, some people have said the only reason it's not being approved is because it would end the emergency use authorization for the vaccines. That doesn't make sense either, because Regeneron's monoclonal antibodies are uh, authorized under the EUA. So if there was any data to suggest that ivermectin would be useful, then there's no reason the FDA wouldn't just say, OK, we'll do an EUA. I think there's a possibility, and it's what you need to consider, whether you like it or not. If we don't know for sure, like we, we know monoclonal antibodies work, okay? So Joe Rogan gets monoclonal antibodies, and now he's better. Now he's COVID negative. He also did get ZPEC and, and, and ivermectin, which complicates the, uh, the data point. But I digress. If, we, if we've given people monoclonal antibodies, Trump himself got it, and then they got better. So we have data to suggest that this does work. I mean, it's giving someone antibodies, so their body fights the, the, the virus. We can say, okay, if people start taking this, we believe it will reduce COVID. With ivermectin, if we have studies that are inconclusive or showing no positive results, and you start advocating for it, the concern isn't overdosing. The concern is that it's not doing anything, and then people think they're treating it, they're not, and then they spread it more. Now, granted, I definitely think that the whole thing's overhyped and insane. And you take a look at Australia and other countries, they're going absolutely insane. But I also think that's something to consider. You should consider that Rachel Maddow is lying to you and the media is lying, calling it horse deworm or another garbage, because it is an essential medication, according to the World Health Organization, for river blindness and other topical parasites. But for me to come out and be like, I've done the research and here's what I think, it would just be tribalism. So find someone you know and trust like Joe Rogan did and you figure it out. But here was the story. K4 reported a rural Oklahoma doctor said patients who are taking the horse dewormer medication ivermectin to fight COVID-19 are causing emergency room and ambulance backups. There's a reason you have to have a doctor to get a prescription for this stuff, because it could be dangerous, said Dr. Jason McElia. 
Dr. McElliott said patients are packing his eastern and southeastern Oklahoma hospitals after taking ivermectin doses meant for a full-size horse because they believed false claims that horse dewormer could fight COVID-19. Now, there's two big problems there. Ingesting an entire tube of horse-level medication is different from, like, getting a doctor's tiny human dose prescription. Don't conflate them. So here's the problem. Yes, I'm sorry, my friends. People are dumb. They're going to Tractor Supply. No joke. <laughs> I, went to, I went to Tractor Supply because we, we, we have chicks. We have, um, they're called Black Stars, okay? So we have uh, barred Plymouth Rock chickens, and we've bred them with Rhode Island Reds. And you get these really cool, they're called sex link chickens. You can tell if they're boys or girls, and they're beautiful. They're very cute little poofy balls. So we're getting supplies for our baby chicks at Tractor Supply. Dude, the horse paste aisle is empty. I'm not kidding. I went in there and I saw it <clears throat> and there's like very few tubes left of this horse medication. So ivermectin does kill parasites and deworm. And they make these tubes that, 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 that are for 1,250 pound horses. There are several stories I've read. Not that it's filling up hospitals. Not that it's the apocalypse where people have ingested a horse level tube. Now, if you want to say this, that patients are taking doses meant for full horses, I facepalm and say, dude, please don't be stupid. Don't do anything like this. Don't go to a tractor supply and eat horse medication. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's, there, there is another important point when it, comes, when it comes to the FDA. They've stated the issue with horse medication, specifically formulated, is that there are certain things that wouldn't pass muster for FDA authorization in human use, meaning... People might be like, oh, look, there's a high level of lead in this. I'm not saying there is. I'm just saying, like, imagine if they were, like, doing animal testing and they're like, well, horses are big, so they can easily handle this, love, this, this amount of lead, or they have a different liver. Cats, for instance, can drink salt water. You can't. So there might be, yeah, it is ivermectin, but what else is in it? When they formulate things for humans, they say, okay, we can't have this level of stuff because it would make humans sick. Horses tend to tolerate this better, and it's cheap, so who cares? That's the main issue with horse paste and why you shouldn't be taking it. Now, here's the problem. Joe Rogan did not ingest horse paste. At least I hope not. But I'm, I, I believe it is reasonable to assume that if he also got monoclonal antibodies, when Joe Rogan goes to the doctor, he's prescribed medication, which includes human type ivermectin. Not that I'm saying it works. I'm saying that's between him and his doctor, and it's different from horse paste at Tractor Supply with different ingredients. The problem is the media then all starts claiming that it was horse dewormer medication, saying, you know, uh, meant, uh, formulated for horses and things like that. Look, look what they put. A rural Oklahoma doctor said patients who are taking the horse dewormer medication, ivermectin. No, 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 no. You stop right there. Imagine if I said, a rural Omaha, Oklahoma doctor said patients who are taking the dog painkiller, ibuprofen, 
No, no, there there are dog versions of ibuprofen, and they're formulated differently. That's true. And the thing is, dogs can't eat avocados or grapes or onions and garlic. Yeah, they can't eat the same things we can. So we make different versions for different animals. That's the important consideration. But I wouldn't call ibuprofen dog medicine. Well, here you go, my friends. Rachel Maddow pushing the lie. Rolling Stone having to put out their big update. Oh, they couldn't put a correction. So here's the story. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me break it down for y'all. Rolling Stone was forced to issue an update to its viral story about Oklahoma hospitals being overwhelmed by patients who overdosed on the drug ivermectin after the doctor it cited was contra- uh, contradicted by the hospitals he referenced. On Friday, the liberal magazine published testimony from Dr. Jason McElia, who told a local news station that hospitals were being overrun from patients overdosing on ivermectin, which resulted in other patients waiting for treatment. McElia claimed the situation was so bad that gunshot victims were being neglected. The ERs are so backed up that gunshot victims are having hard times getting to facilities where they can get definitive care and be treated. The story, which originally appeared on Oklahoma's K4 TV news, was widely shared by reporters, including Rachel Maddow. Fellow MSNBC left-wing anchor Joy Reid also promoted the story on her show. All lies, however. They say, however, the Northeastern Hospital System, which McKellia works for, issued a statement regarding, oh, I think we just pulled the statement, his association with the hospital report in the story. The NHS revealed while McKellia is affiliated with a medical staffing group, he has not worked at the location in question for two months, nor has he, nor has he treated any ivermectin overdoses, saying, quote, although Dr. Jason McKellia is not an employee of NHS Sequoia, he is affiliated with a medical staffing group that provides coverage for our emergency room. With that said, Dr. McKellia has not worked at our Salasal location in over two months. NHS Sequoia has not treated any patients due to complications related to taking ivermectin. This includes not treating any patients for ivermectin overdoses. It was a lie. Now, we know Rachel Maddow is a liar. Her job is to deceive. NPR puts out these stories. NPR put out a story where they claimed that Joe Rogan took a horse deworming medication formulated for horses. Well, of course he didn't. That's insane. But that's what they do. They say, furthermore, the NHS insisted that patients are not being turned away for any emergency care. So I tell you this, man, the campaign is is, is ramping up. But look at this from from News on 6, Oklahoma's own. Oklahoma doctor at center of viral ivermectin story says report is wrong. The doctor himself is saying he's being misquoted. A false report has Oklahoma trending nationally. The story claims hospital and the state are being overrun by people overdosing on the horse antiparasitic ivermectin as a treatment for COVID-19. Horse antiparasitic. Could you please just call it ivermectin? I guess if they, if they want to say it's specifically about people eating horse paste from tractor supply, then they should probably say that and then mention, well, ivermectin is a drug that is FDA approved for human use in, as an antiparasitic. It is not approved for use in treating COVID, nor are we talking about people being prescribed medication from their doctors. The original story was a little misquoted, he said. As the story ran, it sounded like all of Oklahoma hospitals were filled with people who have overdosed on ivermectin, and that's not the case. The cases we are seeing, people who are overdosing on ivermectin, they are taking full strength cattle doses and coming in, and that is something that could be avoided. What we can confirm is that we have seen a handful of ivermectin patients in our emergency rooms to include Integris Grove Hospital. And while our hospital our hospitals are not, a, not filled with people who have taken ivermectin, such patients are adding to the congestion already caused by COVID-19 and other emergencies. 
Well, sorry if I don't outright trust this guy, but there have been stories I've read about people who have stupidly ingested a full horse dose of slime from Tractor Supply. Please, my friends, please don't go to Tractor Supply. Don't buy horse uh, uh, um, tubes, the, the horse paste tubes. Ivermectin is a, a, a essential drug, according to the World Health Organization, but not when it's just mass produced for horse ingestion. Now, that being said, as for Iv- ivermectin's efficacy, what am I supposed to do? I know there's a lot of people who get mad and they're like, Tim, you need to talk about this. I'm like, dude, who am I, some guy in my room to assert any scientific data or who is right or who is wrong on this? Now, I, I like Brett Weinstein. I think he's a smart guy. I think his brother is as well. Very brilliant individuals that I trust. But just because I might like them or listen to the podcast ever so often doesn't mean I believe he's 100% correct about this. It means I need proof. And you know what may, may be happening? The proof is all jammed up due to political tribalism. That could be the case as well. In which case, my only recommendation is, bro, you need to find someone that you actually trust who's done the research. Now, I've read into all of this. And what do I, what do I see? I see inconclusive study, studies. I see studies saying that, that, that actually, re- that there, there, are, there are many studies that are positively, that are, that are, that are uh, uh, saying that ivermectin is effective. Many studies. But there are many studies saying that those studies were bad, that uh, many studies saying it's inconclusive. And at that point, I say, yo, politics is making a mess of this. There have been many arguments made about ivermectin simply because they say, well, why not then? They say, if it's safe for human consumption at certain doses because it's used to treat certain parasites, why not just take it anyway? And the issue I think is if people think it's helping them and it's not, they won't seek other treatments. Joe Rogan got monoclonal antibodies. If Joe Rogan really believed that ivermectin was good on its own, why didn't he just go with that? No, he got monoclonal antibodies, okay? That is the Regeneron treatment. That Regeneron's the brand. You know, I, I, I flubbed that last time. That, that's why I'm like, look, man, if you don't know, the best thing you can do is ignore Rachel Maddow ignore anybody on the internet telling you what you should or shouldn't be doing with this. Certainly they're entitled to their opinions, but not making up facts. Now, I'm not accusing Brett Weinstein of doing that. I think the issue is when I talk to these people who are pro-ivermectin, they've continually cited, they've been like, look at these 53 studies. And I'm like, look at these 50 studies over here saying the opposite. Like, why should I trust you? Because we know the media is lying to us. Okay, sure. I'm sorry. I'm, I need evidence. I'm not going to blindly believe someone simply because they say someone else is lying. Because the, the, the idea that there's two sides of every, of, of every story isn't actually the case. There's multiple sides here. And you've got a vested interest from people who think the, you know, Big Pharma's bad. And, you know, I do. I do. Yeah, I absolutely think they're manipulative. But I also think Big Pharma does make medications that are good. It's not so easy just to say 100% good, 100% bad. Here's what I can tell you. The one thing you can take away from all of this hey, the media lied. They're lying. So I I tell you why I I do a video in this way. For one, I'm sincere when I say, if you come to me and tell me you like ivermectin for these reasons and all these studies and the frontline doctors group has said it, I'll be like, am I supposed to just ignore all the other studies for political reasons? I'm sorry, I can't do that. I can ignore the fake news lies. You can tell me the studies are bad, but they say your studies are bad. So what am I supposed to conclude? So I'll tell you this. If you are a, if you consider yourself to be a sane, rational human being, well, of course you just go to your doctor, right? Here's the issue I take. 
When I've told people on Twitter to go talk to their doctors, what happens? The left, I'm sorry, it is. It's, I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm not trying to be biased. It's literally the left who tells me why, who yells at me, why would I advocate for people going to their doctors? I'm trying to scare them. And I'm like, are you nuts? Telling people to go seek a trusted medical professional? I'll tell you why. There are many people on the right who have said, oh, but our doctors will, will just tell us to get the vaccine or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, there's your doctor's advice. Yeah, but my, my, my doctor doesn't know anything about this. Then find a doctor who does. And that's the issue. If you, were skeptic, if you are a skeptic and you go to a doctor who's a Trump supporter, when you walk in, he's wearing a MAGA hat and he hands you a MAGA flag he, and, and he knows his stuff. It doesn't change the fact he went to medical school and is going to give you advice. We've had many conservatives, Trump supporters who have come on Timcast IRL who have had Trump supporting doctors administer the vaccine, advise them to get it. If you have a doctor you know and trust, you're going to get better medical care. Now, when these people come out and lie, that's why they don't want you talking to your trusted medical professional. That's why they say, no, 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 just go do it. Just go, just go to the parking lot and get the vaccine. I'm like, just go give someone your medical history. Talk about what makes sense for you, your family, and your future, and make, a, make the decision that's right for you. I'm not here to give medical advice. I'm here to talk about how there's people in media across the board who are pushing ideas when they're either unqualified or manipulative. And there are certainly many doctors who are saying, don't take ivermectin. And I don't think they're, they're partisan hacks. And there are certainly people on the right who are advocating for ivermectin who I don't think are partisan hacks. And because of this, the point is moot. I can just tell you this. Regardless of what you think about it, I can show you Rachel Maddow lied. Rolling Stone put out fake news. They aren't issuing corrections. The doctor has come out and said it was misquoted. Two Oklahoma hospitals differ on doctors' claims over ivermectin overdoses. Here's the important thing. Don't go to Tractor Supply. Look, you, there, there's like, uh, there was that story about the wife who ate the hydroxychloroquine fish stuff and got sick and died. A lot of questions around that one. But the point is, I, I, I made it, but I'll end with this. Animal grade products are different from human grade products. And although you may find that the horse paste says ivermectin and Walgreens sells a tablet that says ivermectin, they're still not the same thing. Horses might have stronger livers or kidneys, maybe able to tolerate certain things humans can't. And then when they make it, they're like, oh, it doesn't matter that this mineral is in it because it's for horses and horses are fine with it, but humans might not be. That's why you go to a doctor and you ask them questions about all this stuff. And if you don't trust the doctor, get a second opinion. You're allowed to do that. But the media lies. I don't want to rant on this stuff. I say the same thing on all this stuff over and over again, so I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Brazilian media is reporting that Jason Miller has been detained pending his testimony in an ongoing investigation. Miller is a former senior advisor to President Donald Trump and the CEO of Getter, a social media platform. Now, Miller was in Brazil meeting with the Bolsonaros, the many political figures, and he's being investigated under some, something having to do with anti-democratic acts in Brazil. Now, this is a breaking news story, so we'll go through the details to the best of our abilities, considering it's all in Portuguese and we're trying to translate it. But this news is breaking now in the United States, but Brazilian media reporting. I will, I will ask you something. What do you think the reaction is from American media personalities? I'm sure you can guess they're celebrating this. 
And beyond this breaking story, I think it plays into a story I'd already, I had already actually been in, uh, preparing that we are headed for some kind of civil war. Yeah, I know it's perhaps cliche for Tim Pool to say it, but the response from many people in media is celebrating, saying they want to see him in a Brazilian prison. Now, think about this for two seconds. An American has been detained in a foreign country. He was meeting with political figures. Normally, everyone in this country would be outraged. Yet now we can see the tribal conflict, the culture war cuts deep, deep enough for some people to come out on Twitter and say, let him rot in a foreign prison. This is Jason Miller. He was an advisor to President Trump, the previous administration, not even that long ago. And now we are getting people actively celebrating this stuff. Already, we can see and we got bad stuff happening. Now, we'll get into this, but I want to I want to preface this first by saying I was actually preparing a larger segment on the, the, the civil conflict in this, in, in, in this country. Some reports that had come out, some op-eds when this happened. And surprise, surprise, there's, you know, people like Rick Wilson saying, who, who's dreaming of seeing this man in a, in a Brazilian prison? Not me, not for any American. They come here and face trial for crimes they did here. Not some dubious political uh, investigation in a foreign country. But I think we are absolutely seeing a, a, a serious fracture in this country. You know, we've got a story out of Portland that they're going to be blocking trade. We've got, you know, California, we already know this, that uh, they've banned state travel to certain places. And many industries saying they're boycotting certain states over their laws. The breakdown is happening before your eyes. It won't just be instantaneous. Recently, I appeared on Russell Brand's podcast. Uh, Russell Brand's a good dude. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. Uh, he's a smart fella. He asked me some, asked me some um, really great questions. And he brought up my, uh, my uh, bringing up of civil war. And I think there's some very important things that I want to say in this capacity as, it, as we get into the details of what's going on with these, these, these stories we're seeing. People like to come to me and say, Tim, you said there was going to be a civil war or you, you said you think civil war is likely. What's happening? I don't see one. You don't. You don't see people in a shootout in Portland. You don't see Trump supporters storming into the Capitol building, shutting down the Electoral College uh, 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 formalization of, of votes. You don't see people cheering for an American citizen being arrested in a foreign country. I mean, we just had a shootout in Portland. You don't see the ongoing conflict between political factions in the streets with Antifa and Proud Boys. They're fighting each other almost endlessly. It's, it's been worse, no, no, no doubt, but it's, it keeps happening. You don't see the states cutting themselves off from other states. You don't see Texas defying Joe Biden. I, I mean, how are you not paying? Oh, I'm sorry. You're a frog sitting in a pot and the temperature is getting too high. But because it's happening so slowly, you don't notice the change. And there it is. I'm not saying there's going to be a new Mason-Dixon line. I'm not saying you're going to see people marching from one state to another. I'm saying that the country is falling apart. And boy, do we have stories to back that up. Now, I could already point out January 6th, the left screams it was an insurrection. OK, well, they're calling they're, they're right now complaining about a story in the AP about Robert E. Lee, Robert E. Lee saying he was an insurrectionist. Sure. So is that to imply that those on the left who are telling me I'm wrong are implying that we are in the midst of some kind of escalating civil war? How many left and right wing scholars need to say cold civil war before people start saying, wow, something's happening in this country? And how many states need to start separating themselves from other states 
before people are start, start saying, maybe something serious is, is afoot. Here's the story from Metropoles.com. This is Brazilian media, Google translated, so bear with me. They say PF holds former right arm of Trump in Brasilia for testimony. The federal police detained the businessman and former right hand man of Trump, Jason Miller, Tuesday morning at Brasilia International Airport. According to the column, he was detained in the area reserved for private flights when he was about to board a private jet back to the U.S. Miller was detained to testify to the PF under investigation 4874, which investigates the organization of anti-democratic acts in Brazil. The order came from Minister Alexandre de Moraes, rapporteur of the investigation at STF. The businessman is the founder of Getter, created to take Trump back to social media after the former president was banned. Getter has 2 million followers, of which 13.5 are from Brazil. Miller was in Brazil to participate in the Conservative Political Action Conference Conference in Brasilia. He met with President Jair Bolsonaro, Deputy Eduardo Bolsonaro, and former Chancellor Ernesto Arau, uh, Arau, sorry, I'm not, uh, can't speak Portuguese all that well. Of course, let me just point out, Jason Miller identifies himself as the CEO of Getter, former senior advisor, President Donald Trump, and a contributor at Newsmax. And they're celebrating. First, let me show you just some reactions. Southpaw says a report in Brazilian media says Trump advisor and deadbeat dad Jason Miller was detained in Brasilia this morning by federal police before boarding a private jet back to the U.S. citing the same website. He says Miller confirms, says he was released after three hours of questioning. So that's that's good news. He said this afternoon, my traveling party was questioned for three hours at the airport in Brasilia after having attended this weekend CPAC Brazil conference. We were not accused of any wrongdoing and told only that they wanted to talk. We informed them that we had nothing to say and were eventually released to fly back to the U.S. Our goal of sharing free speech around the world continues. Jason Miller, CEO of Getter. Now, that's from Annie Carney, who is a White House correspondent for The New York Times, saying that's the statement from 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 Miller. Glad to hear he's okay. But of course, I wonder why this individual Southpaw would call him a deadbeat dad with hundreds of thousands of followers. How about this one? Shady Jason Miller has been detained by Brazilian authorities. And this person, A.J. Delgado, is a, a lawyer at Harvard Law, blue check on Twitter. And then we have Rick Wilson. I mean, who among us hasn't thought about Jason Miller in a Br- Brazilian prison? I don't understand. Why would we assume he'd be in a Brazilian prison? How is this a good thing in any way that an American citizen was, de- citizen was detained by a foreign country for questioning? Yeah. You know, Rick Wilson's not particularly a leftist, although some people claim, you know, I guess I'll just say he is because he's neocon turned pro-Democrat or whatever. The Lincoln Project now just overtly pro-Democrat. But I I remember when the left was uh, uh, all against, you know, citizens being detained uh, by foreign governments and uh, warrantless spying and all that stuff. But here we are. We have uh, one other person saying, if you don't think that January 6th was organized and coordinated, look what happened. An attempted, you know, insurrection coordinated by Jason Miller, Steve Bannon, Don Jr. This is an international crime syndicate. Look at what's happening in Brazil right now. And there it is. They're cheering for it because they're blaming the insurrection on Miller, Bannon and Don Jr. Saying they're an international crime syndicate. The country's falling apart, my friends. It's that simple. You don't I don't care if you believe me. I honestly don't. When these 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 20 year old lefties go on YouTube and say, Tim Pool's so dumb for thinking this, I literally could not care less. I can't. I don't care. 
I got out of the cities. Actually, it was a smart move because we had that bad storm. But, you know, that's, a, that's, that's, that's an aside. That bad, the hurricane that swept through hit, hit the East Coast really, really bad. No, I got out of the cities. I got away from this stuff. And you know what? I'm not saying we're all safe. I'm not saying I'm more likely to survive in the wilderness than somebody else. Well, actually, to a certain degree, yes. I'm just saying I'm doing what I have to do to prepare, prepare for two eventualities, potential eventualities. One, everything's fine. Nothing falls apart and I was wrong the whole time. Or one, I was right. You know, maybe there's a little bit of both, but ultimately the country is either falling apart very slowly or it's just in a tumultuous period and will recover. Either way, I'm living as though either could be true. That is to say, I got out of the cities. We set up a, you know, a, a production a studio and office far away, relatively close enough to an airport where we get to have a city. Cities just nearby, about an hour from D.C., not even that far. It's an hour, it's, we're, in the, we're effectively in the suburbs, I guess, but an hour is kind of far. If this was Chicago, you know, St. Charles or whatever, Geneva, if you're familiar with the Chicagoland area, they say that's a suburb and it's like an hour out. So about an hour away, we're not too far because maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I don't make moves off of these. De- Look, people call me the milk toast fencer. I'm not definitively saying the end, the end is nine. The sky is falling. I'm saying all of these things are happening that to me make it seem like it's all falling apart. With this story, for instance, and I got a couple more for you. Portland to cut trade and travel with Texas amid abortion law outrage. Remember when I was saying that these states are going to start ripping themselves apart from the union. Remember when I was talking about how 37.2% of this country wants their, un- their their regional area to secede from the union? That's right. In last year's election, it was uh, John Podesta, according to the Boston Globe, who recommended the West Coast secede from the union should Donald Trump win. And you know what? I think the plurality is Democrats who want to secede in that region. Something like 47% of West Coast Democrats want to secede from the United States. Okay. I wonder if you were to just do California, take out Oregon and Washington and Alaska or whatever, see what you get. I think the number would go up quite substantially. Many states don't want to be a part of the union anymore. And now they're starting to pass what, in my opinion, is probably a violation of the 14th Amendment or, you know, somewhere in the Constitution. That when these states start, one of the purposes of the Constitution was to normalize kind of behaviors and norms and laws and stuff between these different states. It's all falling apart, my friends. The New York Post reports, the city of Portland announced it intends to ban trade and travel to the state of Texas in response to the state's new abortion law. Mayor Wheeler announced on Friday that the city council intends to vote on an emergency resolution on Wednesday to stop the city's future procurement of goods and services from and city employee business travel to the state of Texas. The resolution will, will be in effect until the state of Texas ends the law or it is overturned. It is not exactly clear what such a ban would look like. City legal council is currently evaluating the legal aspects of the proposed resolution. The Portland City Council stands unified in its belief that all people should have the right to choose if and when they carry a pregnancy and that the decision they make are complex, difficult, and unique to the circumstances. Well, I can agree with a large portion of that, but I can't agree with the lies and the lies that you'll see right now on Reddit, because this is shockingly insane. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's one viral, viral, viral tweet among uninformed, ignorant individuals who just blindly march with the crowd while claiming they're the enlightened ones. It was a viral tweet saying, bounty hunters will start to emerge in Texas because anyone can sue anyone who got an abortion, and they'll be targeting 13-year-olds who were abused who are trying to abort their babies, which would probably kill them. Of course, that's all a lie because there's numerous exemptions in that claim. A 13-year-old who was forced by someone into carrying a pregnancy is exempt under the law. There's six weeks of no questions asked uh, abortion for women. And then after that, you have to fall under certain exceptions, exemptions. But they lie. That's what they do. Because when you talk about what the law actually does, there might be some arguments from honest liberals about time frame. But I think they, the law was cleverly crafted to address these, these questions and these concerns, medical issues, force, incest, and uh, a government force coercion. And so they said, okay, we'll line it all up and make something, you know, six weeks for no reason. And beyond that, exceptions only. Well, they say that's not the case. And I don't want to get too much into that because this is more about how the states are falling apart. They say the new law SB8 was signed by Governor Greg Abbott in May and went into effect last week after the Supreme Court declined to hear the case. It bans all abortions once a fetal heartbeat can be detected, which is typically about six weeks after conception and before most women were aware they are pregnant. Additionally and uniquely, the law allows for private residents to bring legal action against anyone who assisted in terminating the pregnancy, including those who drive women to the abortion appointment. Citizens who win such lawsuits may be entitled to at least $10,000. All right. If you live in Texas and you don't like this, there's the door. You can go anywhere you want. No one's stopping you. If you live in New York, you don't like the vaccine mandate. Hey, there's the door. You can leave. No one's stopping you. Now, I still think that there's got to be limits, and I don't like the idea of government intervention in medical practices. Uh, there's a difference between New York and Texas, though. In Texas, they're mandating you get a medical procedure, or you can't participate in public accommodation. Wrong. In Texas, they're barring women from getting a medical procedure that would terminate the life of the baby. And that's an entirely different argument. The left simply, their way around this is to say that the fetus is not alive, which is why I said the bill in Texas was cleverly crafted, a heartbeat detected. If that does not, if the heartbeat does not determine when something is a life form, then when is it? And there's no consensus among the left. They just want to be able to terminate for any reason at any point. Sure, that's pro-abortion, not pro-choice, I suppose. Well, they are different. They are different because in Texas, it involves two different lives. In New York, it involves one. Regardless, I, I have a personal moral conundrum with where the government intervenes in me talking with my doctor about what I'm supposed to be doing. So vaccine mandates out. But I'll tell you right now, as Texas says no, and New York says yes to these mandates, Florida says no, and Washington and Oregon are apparently you know ramping up for vaccine mandates. You can see how divided this country is and how we will get to the point where there's going to be no interaction. Let me explain. Let's say you're a truck driver, and those are in short supply right now. And they say, yo, we got a big haul. It's going into New York. It's, uh, you know, toilet paper. And the driver is going to go, I can't go to New York. I don't got the vaccine. 
And they're going to say, well, get it and be like, I talked to my doctor. My doctor advised against it for certain medical reasons. All right. Well, you can't go. Yeah, it's too bad. How many people are just going to say, no, I don't care. Shut up. I'll do what I want. I'm not getting it. Well, this shipment's going to Texas. Can't go. Won't let me use any public accommodations. Can't get food. Not interested. Someone else can do it. So now because of that, people from states that don't have the mandates are less likely to go to states that do. And now with some, with like Portland and these other uh, similar instances, you're going to see less travel from blue states into red states. California is back in June. California banned state travel to Florida and four other states. And this is over uh, laws that discriminate against the LGBT community. Make no mistake, we're in the midst of an unprecedented, unprecedented wave of bigotry and discrimination in this country. California is not going to support it. Lawmakers in 2016 banned non-essential travel to states with laws that discriminate against LGBTQ people. The 12 other states on the list are Texas, Alabama, Idaho, Iowa, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas, Mississippi, and Tennessee. That's a lot of places. That's a lot of places, isn't it? All right. Well, that's state travel, right? Sure. I think we are uh, watching the collapse and, and people expect there to be a declaration grandstanding on a stage and thousands of people lining up as Donald Trump says, no, we've had enough and we won't take it anymore. The Republic of Texas is out and the new Confederacy has risen. It's not going to happen. That's just not what a civil war is. You see, in America, we had a civil war, so they call it. But a civil war is typically defined as different factions fighting for control of one government. I mean, that kind of happens every four years, two to four years, to be honest, or every two years, I guess you could just say, depending. Well, what we're talking about now is a civil war in the truest sense of the words, meaning if you look at the history of civil war in other countries, factions rise up, fight each other, and they want a capital. In the American civil war, as we know it, you had states just breaking away and saying, leave me alone. It's very different. So that's why you have the, you know, the people on the South saying it's the war of Northern aggression. Well, it was Abraham Lincoln trying to keep the union together. And I actually think Ulysses S. Grant made the best argument as to why the union should have stayed together. One, uh, slavery is wrong. It always has been wrong. And it took technology and enlightenment to finally put an end to the violation of human rights and to such an important degree. But Ulysses S. Grant said, from a practical standpoint, we sacrificed blood and treasure to admit you to the union. And you owe that debt which can never be repaid. So no, you don't just get to leave the union. But it wasn't a civil war. It was essentially a rebellion, I guess. There was, I mean, look, look at it this way. We didn't agree upon law in this country. You go to Congress, you state your case, your reps go, they vote, and boom, there you, have, there you go. Unhappy with it? Well, that's the system. What happened? The South was like, yo, we don't like these laws. They're pushing, so we out. And they're like, dude, we agree to the rules. You agree to the rules. You lost the argument. Shut up. And they fought. It's not the same. All right. Now, the Confederates did want to take D.C. They didn't want to take the, uh, I, think, I think it was D.C. at the time. They wanted to take the Capitol to make a statement. But they didn't want the United States. They wanted to leave because they had their own states. It's different. What we're seeing now is it's like a, a giant uh, pyramid one by one with the blocks being pulled out from underneath it. Sure. People standing at the top of that pyramid are like, what are you talking about? Nothing's happening. I've been sitting up here the whole time. But then eventually things start rumbling. And for some people watching the news, you see it happen. You see the, the gunfight, which happened a couple weeks ago. There's literally a gunfight that broke out in Portland. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. We just saw a proud boy get shot in the foot. 
at another one of these clashes. I think it's up in Portland. Shootouts are happening. People are getting shot and killed. But you know what happens is people live in the now. And when they read history, you got five years of civil war condensed into a few pages on Wikipedia or something, and they read it and they think it was quick. The American Revolution took 20 years. There was conflict for 20 years. 20. There were people who were born when there was already uh, independent sentiment and they died fighting for it. Now, isn't that something crazy? Being born into a country where they're telling you we should be independent, we're being oppressed, then fighting and dying. Because that's how long it took. Right now, we are seeing culture war causing, as, as a symptom of, we are seeing lies and manipulation in the media. We are seeing people saying enough. We're seeing people drop off altogether and say they don't care about the system anymore. I think things are getting bad. But I got to tell you, the story about Jason Miller is where it gets particularly freaky because it shows you that it shows you how far they're willing to go to get what they want. They would love it if every single Trump voter was rounded up. No joke. What do you think would happen if the government came out and started saying we're going to start we're going to start rounding up the unvaccinated? They'd be cheering for it. What do you think would happen if the government came up and said these are fascists? We got to arrest them. They would be cheering for it. Pay attention. It'll happen. But again, don't even try me on this stuff. Because I've had numerous people come to me and say, Tim, you said a civil war was going to happen. Well, what's going on? And I'm just like, bro, got shot last weekend. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Dude got shot in the chest last, you know, what, a year ago now? I think it was just shy of a year ago. Dude got shot twice and killed in, in Portland. We've seen clashes, billions of dollars in damage, rioting. We're seeing uh, people threatened with arrest in Congress. We got the January 6th commission trying to get records of uh, uh, congressmen and women's like phone details and stuff. We saw an American journalist have his phone records uh, published, leaked by a member of Congress. Yo, if you think this is normal and we're not headed for some kind of kinetic chaos, you are not paying attention. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.